Dr. Jerry Cade, how are you, my friend? Hey, we are. Jonathan, how are you? I'm doing good, sir. Good to be here, isn't it? Back. Yep, it's Back. been a while. It's been a couple of weeks, so yeah. we got some things we want to talk about this morning. Yes. Oh, by the way, welcome to Chapter and Verse, please. Yes, I am we Pastor just... Jonathan Heron. And I'm Dr. Jerry Cade. Yeah, and we're great to be here with y'all. So, some things have changed since yeah, last week. Yeah, give us an update on what's going on. Here. A life update. It's been a roller coaster ride here. Um, so, I have been called to Georgia, mm-hmm. to a church in Georgia. I will be the lead pastor. So, that will take place on the 21st of this month. So, um, yeah, that's rather quickly, but I'm heading Georgia on my mind. Yeah, Isn't that's that a- great. <laughs> and I'm thrilled about it, except I'm upset too, because yeah. I hate to see you go, but yeah. we'll stay connected, no question. Yeah, it's kind of a bittersweet thing. Yeah. Uh, it's been a challenging week with my mom. Some of you may know she's been sick with cancer for some time, almost three years now, so God has added to her life the, the days, you know, but oh, yeah. we had to have a com- conversation um, about hospice care has been, we're moving into that part of this nasty cancer as it goes so mm-hmm. there's that and uh one more challenging thing the scary thing is my fiance celia is a missionary over seven thousand miles away mm-hmm. and i uh, was in a very scary car accident uh, she got hit head on she wasn't driving but she was in the car and the car got smashed up pretty badly but Lord, God's favor, God's grace. Yeah. Uh, she just came out of that with um, a concussion. So, but she's doing good. Great, that's good. And God is still good, and we keep pressing on and fighting the good fight. So that's where I'm at. All right, good. All right, and um, we want to talk about where we're at in our devotionals, our devotional time. Uh, we decided a couple of broadcasts ago that. We would stick with what God's teaching us when we on the day we're going to make our our podcast. So um, I got a couple of questions that I want to discuss. Um, one is why are people afraid of God's people, and the second one is why are preachers not preaching God's word? And to get into those questions, I want to talk about the story of Balaam and Balak. Back in Numbers, Numbers 20, and it goes through, this whole story goes through about Numbers 24. So, um, just to kind of recap, you know the story, the children of Israel left Egypt, and they were getting ready to go into the Promised Land, and Moses was leading them, and they were meeting with resistance. These kings that were in Canaan were uh, evil dictators, and they they were marked for destruction by God, and the children of Israel were to go in and claim this territory. But the, the, king, the kings were pretty nervous about it. They were upset about it. And um, one of them, just, just to mention the king of Edom, um, Moses went and asked him, can we come through your territory? We won't bother anything. We won't bother any people. We just want to go through there. And uh, Edom said, the king of Edom said, uh, get lost, Moses. You're not going to come through our territory. So they had to go around a different way. And then they uh, met up with another king, the king of Edom. And um, he was a little more aggressive about things, and he even attacked the children of Israel, took some captives. 
And um, the children of Israel went to God and prayed about this, which would have been the right thing to do. And God said, I'll help you out. And uh, he destroyed those cities that that king held. Um, so they continued on their journey and they, uh, they had to go around Edom. And of course, that made the journey harder and the people were complaining again. Can you imagine that? The people, the children of Israel complaining about what God was doing. But um, they pressed on and um, actually they had a little bit of a punishment because uh, God sent serpents into their camps to uh, disturb their peace, I guess. And uh, we may not like that God would do that, but God does what God's going to do. And mm-hmm. it's, it's in God's word. We, we really can't argue it. We might not even understand it. Um, but the solution, when, when the people cried enough, the solution was that they would make a bronze serpent and put it on a mm-hmm. pole. And um, anytime Aaron raised that up, there would be healing from the snakes, which is another interesting thing because I, I got to thinking the snakes are still with us. <laughs> we don't, God doesn't take away all of the, the different uh, problems that we come across. There's still a lot of problems, but he gives a solution when we look to him. Yeah. Anyway, and there was a cure from the snake bites. Um, they continued on and um, they met another king. And this is what I want to use. This king was Balak, and he was paranoid and afraid of these children of Israel, too. And I got to thinking, why is it? Now, I understand why these kings were afraid, because this was a lot of people, and they were frightened of their territory being overtaken. But why are are people today still afraid of Christians? And it just seems like they are, and it seems like in this culture we're in, there's God's people are some kind of threat to the culture. So we're seeing, we're seeing these people react as if there's something bad about Christians. Um, and so I thought, well, there's, there's gotta be a couple of reasons. And the main one I came up with is that we are in a battle for men's souls. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a resistance to what God wants in people's lives. And so even though Christians, most Christians I know are just nice people, they're trying to do their best, they try to, they're trying to grow and be, be better people, and yet that's a threat to others. But that's the reason that, that there's, a, there's spiritual battles going on, yeah. and people don't want to hear these truths. Now, there's even a deeper meaning that I was thinking about um, to this, and that's that there's, there's evil in the world. And anytime there's evil... The light that God's people bring to the situation is scary yeah. to evil, to devils, and, and to Satanists. And they want to run. They want to get away from that when there's light that comes into the situation. So I think that's why we're scary to people yeah. in the culture. Well, you could see in the culture right now currently, they're scared of the light. Yep. But they're not like... They're trying very subtle ways to get rid of us. Yeah, yeah. Right, yep. by whatever. Le- they're trying to legislate Christianity out of the, co- the country, but it's not going to work. No, no. <laughs> well, they're trying, to, they're trying to say that the, it's the Christians that are the ones that are causing the problems in the, in the mm-hmm. culture, and they're just so mean, and they hate, you know, they hate gay people, and they hate, they hate all this, they, they hate it. Anybody that wants to have an abortion, well, we don't hate people. Yeah. But we do speak for what the truth is. Which leads me to my second question. 
um, why aren't preachers preaching God's Word? Mm. And um, I'm reading this book about Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and it's very interesting. I think I've mentioned it before. Dietrich. We're, yeah. We're in a, a similar situation that he was in, in in Nazi Germany, and he's trying to fight what is going on in the culture. And uh, one of the stories in there, he goes to New York City, and he wants to find a church that is preaching God's Word. And he keeps trying these churches, and all he's hearing, and he goes, why are these preachers, they preach about everything except the gospel. Mm -hmm. And, and he, he struggled with, why are they doing that? And I, I think his only conclusion is that, that the preachers were being influenced by the cultural issues of the day, just like today. The preachers have, many of them, I'm not saying all of them, but a lot of them have, have shifted what they're calling sin from what the Bible says to the sins the culture talks about. And that's what they're concerned about, the, the different sins that, that people in the culture, the feminists and the, the, the socialists, the, the sins they identify, those are the things that the preachers are talking about. There was a movement in Bonhoeffer's day, Christian, they were called the Christian, uh, oh, I can't think of the name of it. But anyway, it was the same kind of sect in Nazi Germany that is is so similar to the woke oh, movement yeah. here in America. Yep, yep. It's they, the same. Yep. Um, well, the political powers of, of, of the Nazi regime tried to influence what the church was preaching about, and they they would they would they would make the pastors. Um, give them copies of their sermons before they preached them. Yeah, they, you got to get them screened. The, the pastors, if, if they didn't like what the pastors were saying, they would shut them down. They so would. maybe some of these preachers, so I don't want to broad stroke and just say all preachers because there is faithful preachers yes. out there that no, are faithful to the God's Lord. always had faithful preachers. But they don't, they, I think that they don't have the voice and the influence. So what we're hearing is these, you know, these false teachers and all these guys with the platform. No. That's the thing is that the liberal woke false teaching pastors are the ones that we're hearing and seeing the right. voices exactly so the influence is there yeah. and uh but the the it's almost like they're preparing because they know that they're not going to bother them right yeah. it's self-preservation why are they going to bother them they're not even preaching the word yep well this happened yeah. in nazi germany too because the people were so afraid of the nazis that they would, the storekeepers would put Nazi symbols in their stores to, so that they would make sure they would leave them alone. And you're, you're seeing all these corporations, the latest this week has been the uh, Dr. Seuss thing, where these corporations are... And Coca-Cola, which... Coca-Cola, almost every big, organ, big uh, organization or mm -hmm. company is coming out with these, like, don't bother us because we're woke. Because we, we, we we're not like them. Yeah. Well, we're, think about Dr. Seuss. Think about this company. I think they've kind of slit their own throats. Their 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 business model was you know to sell Dr. Seuss books. Well, then they're going to say, well, we're not going to sell six of these Dr. Seuss books anymore. And then they say the reason is because there was insensitivity to different cultures. Well, why would you even say that? if you don't want to sell the books, just quit it, quit printing them. Yeah. But you have to come out and and give your your uh, virtue signaling as we've talked about over and over and over how wonderful we are because we don't want us 
I you know, sell these books. I think they're out of business in 10 I years. think that brings it back full circle to our preachers preaching the word. Are they staying faithful to the word? Right. Is the word sufficient? Because there's only one way that anybody could even buy or believe or any of this stuff that's coming out. Right. There's only one way that people can say, oh, well, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Especially Christians, quote, unquote, because that means they're not in the word and they are not being fed the word. Right. Because you, if you are, you would see this stuff. Red flags should go off in your head yep. immediately. Now, that could bring me to what I am studying. Exactly. And in, in First Kings is where I'm at. Chapter 3, it's about Solomon. I'm doing a study, you know, I'm going to work through First and Second Kings, and I'm doing a study on Solomon. So this is my initial, you know, I'm just getting into this. In chapter 3, Solomon's prayer for wisdom. Yeah. So Solomon, this is uh, uh, chapter 3, verse 3. Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statues of David his father. Only he sacrificed... And made offerings at the high places. Now that's significant because uh, in those times, Israelites, when they entered Canaan, they were supposed to destroy the hilltop shrines of the Canaanites. But until the temple was constructed, right, which Solomon was doing, they were allowed to worship there until. But however, Solomon continued to build and worship at these sites even after temples built. So basically what I'm getting at is Solomon was actually living in disobedience. Now, yep. on top of that, though, so, so um, verse 4, I'm sorry, and the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was a great high place. Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, ask what I shall give you. Verse 6, and Solomon said, you have shown great and steadfast love to your servant, David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart toward you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on this throne this day. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in, the, in place of David, my father. Although I am but a little child, I do not know how to go out or come in. I love that part. Mm-hmm. He says, I do not know how to go out or come in. That basically what, what Solomon's saying is, you made me a king and I don't know whether I'm coming or going. I don't and know I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know <laughs> if I'm coming or if I'm going. And you're, Okay, so verse 8, and your servant is in the midst of your people, right? Whom you have chosen a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to govern this, your great people. So, so verse 10, it pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. And God said to him, because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches, yeah. prosperity, or the life of your enemies, right? We want to just be living in peace with everybody. But have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right. Yep. Behold, I do according now to your word. So basically what God just did there, Solomon, God said, ask what you want. And Solomon said, give me wisdom and discernment to know right from wrong. He asked for wisdom. He didn't ask for, you know, well, he didn't ask for the two, I call them the two Ps. He didn't ask for power mm. or pleasure. Yeah. 
he, he asked for something else. You said something about the table. He looked for the... The blessings on the table. Blessings. He didn't ask for those. A lot of people come to Jesus and they don't come for the gift giver. They come for the gifts. Right. So they come to the table and they're like, oh, look at what's on the table, yeah. right? They want his blessings, yeah. but they don't want him. Yeah. At that moment, in that time of prayer and communion between Solomon and God, Solomon's heart was right in tune with what God wanted and where God was going. Now, we talked about this too. He didn't always stay there. <laughs> no, yeah. But at that moment, he was there and he asked for wisdom. He asked for wisdom. And I think, because back to your question about why our preachers, they're not asking for wisdom. No. They're asking for yep. everything that Solomon, uh, you know, they, they ask, they're asking for the gifts. The riches, the honor. They want a place at the table, but they want the gifts on the table. Well, or another way to say it, they're they're looking for wisdom the world has. Yeah. Because all these things that were that are, are coming as influences into the church mm. are worldly wisdom. So you have to define wisdom because there's yeah. two there's two different kinds. There's God's wisdom, which is found in God's word, and if you're not in it, and if you're not studying it, and you're not understanding it then you don't really have wisdom. You have what the world is offering. And that is not wisdom. That, that might even be considered the opposite of wisdom. Yeah, foolishness. Foolishness, <clears throat> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so what I'm getting at, though, was, okay, so Solomon, right, had all this wisdom. He was the smartest wisdom-having person yeah. ever yeah. that ever lived Yet he still lived in disobedience. He still fell. He still fell short. Of, you know, he still sinned. And it just goes to show that uh, no matter how much wisdom or knowledge that you have, the total depravity in a person, yes. man, they will fall short the moment that, that they take their eyes off of Jesus yeah. and put their eyes on what? The kingdom of the world. Yep. The Solomon, had, the power. Solomon had it all. He had the pleasure. He had the power. He had the money. He even had the wisdom. But there was times in his journey that he, I mean, that's why he penned all of Ecclesiastes, right? Right. And it's great. And it's brilliant writing. And we were talking about a Solomon of our day uh, who seems to have fallen from grace. Preachers not preaching away. the word. Yep. Well, Rabbi Zacharias, who had a unbelievable knowledge and wisdom about and, and ability to communicate it. He, mm -hmm. he was a great speaker and you could listen to him and be mesmerized. But guess what? He fell away just like Solomon. Um, and we don't know. We know Solomon repented toward the end and we assume Solomon is going to be in heaven. Rabbi, we're not sure about because we don't know the details of yeah, you know his I passing know. and things. But the, the point is, he had moral failures even at the height of his influence on the Christian church. Yeah. And it, it almost, it's, it's, a, it's a great uh, lesson for us that, that how, how far somebody can fall. Anybody. Because we, we, only, we are not in ourselves able to maintain the kind of life that God expects. Well, you know, Rabbi Zechariah... Was very so Paul says, I did not come to you with lofty speech. Right. <laughs> There's a reason why. Like uh, Rabbi Zacharias, if, if you ask me, my in my opinion, 
was very intelligentsia, very... Sometimes I listened to a whole thing. I used to listen to him a lot. Yeah. And I would get... I, there was lots of things I could glean from, but there was times where I left what he was saying and would be like, what did you just say? I have no idea what in the world you just said, but that is just talking over people's heads. Yeah. That, that therefore, it, it was his place. It protected him. Yeah. And you watch everybody just cheer. Yeah. And all that praise. I clapped at Bobby Zacharias. I had no idea what he said. <laughs> <laughs> Sounded good, though. Well, and, that, and it shows that wisdom is not enough without a personal, loving relationship with Jesus. Yes. If you don't have that, all you have is wisdom. And you can look good. You can look good to Christians. You can look good to the world. Yeah. You don't have everything that it takes to look good to God. Mm. And if we don't have a, a heart that, that desires Christ and that desires to grow and to be faithful... All the wisdom in the world is not going to help us. Yeah. Well, here's how, um, again, back to 1 Kings chapter 3, how, um, verse 14, here's God. And if you will walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments, as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. Yeah. Don't care what you know, man. Yep. Like, all that knowledgeable... Uh, I don't know if you want to, I don't know the words to say. Intelligentsia would be what word comes to my mind. You know, these people that are so educated that they're, they're foolish. Yeah. Because uh, they're not walking in the statutes, right? They're not keeping the commandments. That's all you got to do. Like, like, stay in the word. Right. right? And, and, and preach the word. If you're going to be a pastor, get back to the word. You know, apologetics and things are great. Theology is a, a, an essential. But if you are not preaching the righteousness, the holiness of Jesus Christ, repentance, the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom. If you're not nailing down these things out of the scripture, you're just a banging gong or whatever, you know, the clanging clanging symbol. So, yeah. Well, I think that We've said enough, right? Sure. And uh, wait, don't turn that off yet. I want to just play this a little bit. And uh, let's let's go out with Gary S. Paxton. Oh, yes. Because that's what we're talking about. It's a different world we want to stay in. We want to stay focused on what God wants. Amen. Not what the world wants. And pray for wisdom, guys. Yep. And stay in the Word. That's what we are called to do. Amen. So thank you for joining us. Have a best time.